welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. All right, so the big news this week, Joe, who is always with me, Joe Deck, uh, is the reclassification of the VHSL. And right now, it's just a uh, suggestion from the VHSL of these are the changes they're making. And basically, there's simple logic to it of try to make six equal divisions. And, and they have 53 in all of them, except class two that has 52. So that makes sense. But what we need help with is to make sense of all, all this. So let's just start the show off by bringing on Cody Elliott, who has been on so many times to the podcast. I didn't even look up how many times, but he was the first guest of the podcast. So he has that, <laughs> you know, solo honor on the Xports podcast. Thank, Cody, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's always it's always good. It's been a while. Um, that's I didn't even while. realize I was the first ever guest. I didn't, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> yeah, and we tried. We we never met up in the spring, uh, so we missed out on what all the Valley teams did <laughs> in the spring. Um, but I think last time we talked, Tyler Nickel was uh, was committing to UNC. So it's been a bit. Yeah, and now, now he's uh, he's been down in Chapel Hill already, getting ready for the season. Um, rocking number twenty four and. Um, getting some high praise already. So yeah, yeah. It, it has been a while. That's, that's, that's kind of crazy. That's awesome. So let's start right there with East Rock where he graduated from and, and uh, where they're retiring his number, I saw, which uh, that's a that's a quick, that's when you know that you were awesome out of school is when they retire your number like during graduation. Like that's, that's a clear sign. Uh, but let's talk about East Rock. That was up in the Harrisonburg area. One of the biggest news things with this reclassification, East Rock, they are finally going up to class three, something that I had heard from the beginning of that school opening that it was, you know, on the brink of it's finally happening. Uh, they're just barely up into class three, uh, but they'll be finally joining the Valley district coming back from being up in the bull run the last couple of years. And uh, I think that's exciting. I think that's really nice for you guys up there in that area to have that solid County district uh, like the like Augusta County's had the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly what it, um, you know, it, it's setting up like is the Shenandoah and that perfect setup um, that they have. And, and well, they had, I guess, maybe coming up that'll that'll come later in further realignment discussion, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something I think that that, you know, makes the most sense. Um, you know, it was kind of weird when they, they moved to the bull run in general, just because some of those matches were there. They were going really far north, you know, to face Clark County and some of those schools. Um, obviously the rivalry of spots was their big, their big game of the year in every sport. Um, I mean, those crowds are, are, you know, as good as I've seen in terms of local matchups, they're, they're similar to some of those old school, you know, Stanton Waynesboro games back in the day and stuff like that, especially in basketball, that there's some really big crowds, but, um, yeah, I mean, East Rock spots with a big rivalry, but then also now you hear in recent years, they've started playing TA and Broadway more, um, to, to kind of complete the County schedule. And then, um, obviously you throw in Harrisburg as well. And then, um, you know, obviously with the new school coming in Harrisburg here in the next couple of years, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of opportunities there for those teams to play each other. And I, I think it's a great move. I think it makes sense. Um, and you know, there's been some talk about how competitive will they be, but I mean, you oh. know, across the board, there's been, there's been no doubt that in recent years they would have won the Valley district. And you look at boys basketball, yeah. obviously they would have, and in several other sports, they would have, they would have done just fine. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't worry about their competitiveness competitiveness in that district at all uh because i mean their girls sports have been so good up there uh yeah basketball football they've been beating spotswood um i know that's that's one of the few valley teams they've been able to face but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it and i mean they'll rise to the occasion too if they're playing valley district teams all the time they'll 
they'll be playing at that level. And they're such a well-run school um, athletically from the beginning to have um I, I wouldn't worry about that at all yeah and i mean their facilities are unbelievable i mean they've got they've probably got the best facilities in rockham county right now obviously the newest and um i mean you guys know as well as anybody the, the view from the, the football stadium is, is unbelievable oh, and, yeah. um yeah i mean they, they've got great facilities the the, the, the baseball softball field's really nice the, obviously they've got a great gym um you know they've got a good fan base they've got passionate fans it's it, they've got everything you want and um you know it's it, it's it's kind of exciting to see the Valley District kind of grow a little bit more. Um, it's kind of it's it's felt a little weird the past couple of years. I think with only five teams, I mean it's it's hard to get but so excited when you you, you know you face basically four opponents throughout the regular season in your district, especially in a sport like football. Um, yeah. It just kind of diminishes it a little bit. So I think you know adding East Rock and obviously Rockbridge still stays in there. You have all the other city county schools as well. Um, it, it'll be a, it'll kind of get it back up to a nice number a little least and um you know make it a little bit more entertaining so looking at harrisonburg um i know joe was talking about this when we, before we started uh harrisonburg you know they're at 1400 kids uh it's still going to be another year um before they you know get uh the Harris, new harrisonburg high school gets inserted and then the existing harrisonburg school gets adjusted um what what do you know about how that transition will work up there uh, as far as I know, from what I what I gathered after um, the VHSL's announcement last week on the realignment, because I, I I was you know searching through the re- VHSL announcement, I, I couldn't see anything about you know Rocktown High School, which is the new Harrisburg that's coming, or the new Harrisburg High School that's coming. Um, I couldn't find anything on it, um, and so I didn't know you know if a decision hadn't been made, if a decision was being you know put on delay, or what was going on. Um, and what I what I gathered was that they will be part of the Valley District. Um, I wasn't able to gather whether um, you know, them in Harrisburg, what classification they would be in. Um, as we talked a little bit off air about, you know, I'm assuming they'll both probably be class three. Obviously, Harrisburg's are class five now, but with the loss of several students going over to the new high school, you would think that they would both probably be around the three level. Um, you know, I, I, I have a hard time seeing them going anywhere else. So two yeah. more class three schools, which would be, you know, really good for that district as well, because that makes a 17 district um all all class three schools so you know in terms of that makes the postseason matter for the district that makes you know everything very simple in terms of you know yeah. even with the Shenandoah right now it's a it's a mess a little bit with draft being the only two and you know you have two ones and all these other things so um i think that'll be the nicest part for the valley district is you got seven schools that are all class three all battling for the same regional bursts all battling you know for the same same things in the postseason yeah. i think in all those sports you know I know everybody focuses on football, but you just think about those other sports where those, I mean, you could have a district tournament that means something, you know, that we could get back to that. And, and that would be really great. And, uh, you know, where you're not, it, uh, you just have these, it's like Stewart Schraff gets to go to the 2B tournament in some sports just because they're the only representative from the Shenandoah district. And, uh, and then in 3C, it's kind of the opposite where like Fort and, and Wilson and Waynesboro are like sometimes battling for or one spot, maybe two. Um, even when they're all half decent. So it, it will, I, I like that, that the Valley district will all be together all in the same class three C would be just amazing. Oh yeah. And I, gosh, when I think about the old Valley district, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm thinking about going up to JMU and watching those teams square off and um, yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what it could be again is, is you, you could bring all these teams into one arena and, and have them square off over a two or three day period. And, 
you know, every game is is for regional berth. And um, yeah, I think that I think it's just it's a good move all the way around. Cody, I want to ask you about some of the other aspects of this reorganization. Um, notably, one that leaps out to Leland and I, we've talked about it considerably and we'll probably talk about it from here on out, uh, if, especially <laughs> if this plan gets approved. But some of these private schools really come away with some interesting numbers. Um, most notably, LCA, who has been a team that has done very well in Class 3 um, because of the way they're going to count numbers now, which is apparently... Uh, Leland was telling me before, not counting the senior classes. Um, that that means LCA drops to a class two level. Um, I don't know how many private schools the schools up there interact with in postseasons or anything like that. I know East Rock had to play uh, uh, in the basketball uh, tournament. The name is escaping me at the moment, but a school that has been accused of recruiting. But these private John schools, Marshall. John Marshall, Marshall yes. Yeah. LCA does recruit like that is a thing that happens. And I, I just find it interesting that they're kind of allowed to still be in these lower classifications when they're able to recruit. Yeah. You know, you along with about, you know, all of Rockingham County um, can, can agree with you. Um, it seems like for the past, you know, several years, um, I, I usually get about one to two emails, maybe three per year asking me about this and, and what the situation is. And to be, to be honest with you, it's a, it's a very gray area with a lot of, you know, it's very cloudy when you, when you try to find out exactly what's going on down there in Lynchburg and, and how things operate and how, you know, how it falls under the VHSL's guidelines. The VHSL obviously has insisted that it's legal and what they're doing is, 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 is fine and, and everything like that. But um, yeah, Rockingham schools to, to, to be, you know, honest, especially with LCA, um, they've, they've, you know, that's typically where, you know, for the past several years, that's pretty much where Rockingham teams have kind of went to, to finish their year. I mean, mm-hmm. in football, Broadway this past year lost there. Um, in our last normal year, 2019, uh, TA lost there in the first round. And I mean, these are some really good teams from the Valley. Like, you know, TA was a really good team in 2019 with, with Grant Swinehart, Jesse Knight, all those guys. And, and to go down there and, and they, they played them well. And it was like, it's, it was almost a moral victory because of how good LCA is. And um, again, the same thing. I was, I was down there this year when Broadway played them. I mean, it was it, the, the physical matchup was just not even close. And um, you know, you could take probably one of the best teams the Valley's had around here in, in years and years and years, and they wouldn't have been able to compete with that LCA team. And um, it's a, it's just a different ball game right now with, with the, with them. Um, fortunately, some other sports, it, it's a little more even ground. Um, football seems to be where you see the biggest difference, um, especially, you know, because they have so many big-time national recruits. But baseball, they're even, real good. Yeah, baseball, um, you saw some of those guys. <laughs> they put they eliminated Broadway last year. They eliminated Spotswood, which had one loss all year. They eliminated them this year. Um, so, yeah, you, the list goes on and on. They've had some just really good teams. And, um, unfortunately, it, it's probably going to get even worse at the Class 2 level because yeah. – there's some really good class three teams across the state in all sports. And if they're dominating it like that at class three, it, it's really going to get scary what they can do at the class two level. Well, and you know, I, I won't ask this of you Cody, cause it's not fair to put you in this situation. Um, but I, I know I talked to Leland about this and I, I firmly believe like if they're going to be able to be allowed to recruit, which public schools can't like, that's not a thing they can do. The private schools can, but either you don't have them in the VHSL or I think, Make them compete against the Class 6 schools. That's the arguably the best athletic programs in the state because it's the largest talent pool that they can draw from in terms of their student body. Like, make them compete up there. 
I, I don't understand why they're allowed to compete at these lower levels, even if the student enrollment isn't reflective of that. And my my argument, I mean, class six, I'm on board. Like, I'm not arguing class six, but like, at least there should be some kind of concession to playing up. Like, even if you don't jump all the way up to class six, like, there still should be like some standard signifier that you are recruiting and stuff. So you have to play at least up a level or up two or something like that. Like, it just seems like there should be, it shouldn't just be based on enrollment when they're able to have that advantage. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I cover Eastern Mennonite, um, you know, pretty regularly up here in Harrisonburg, and um, obviously they're they're a private school, they're Division three. Um, they don't they don't technically they're not supposed to technically recruit. Um, obviously, when you once you get to the state level, especially in basketball, you notice some of those teams that they're facing are clearly recruiting. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the team that they actually beat in the, in the state championship it was it was a major upset for Eastern Mennonite because that team was loaded with Division one talent. Um, but you know, my point is that, that that's a division that, you know, it's understood these schools recruit, um, that that's what they do. And, you know, if the BHSO is going to start having these schools, you know, like LCA, um, like other schools, whether they're recruiting or not, you know, whether it becomes official, if, if these schools want to come out and say that they're recruiting, um, you know, make a division for that, make, come up with a way so that these schools face each other. Um, because, you know, it's, it's not, it's not fair for schools you know, the kids from Timberville and Broadway or, you know, the kids from Swope out in Buffalo Gap or, you know, wherever the case may be. I'm just naming schools now. But, you know, these small town kids to get put in a situation where they're facing the number one offensive line recruit in the country that's headed to UNC next year. Or, you know, the number one, number six tight end in the state of Virginia and, and things like that. I mean, it's just, um, you know, it's it, it's not a good situation. And um, it, it's robbing a lot of good teams and good quality teams out of, you know, deeper runs and and more special seasons um and 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 you know more memories because of you know they've run into the bus all that is lca so you know we're talking lca and that's class two and that really affects more of our teams in augusta county so kind of reviewing how it would look um for any listeners that haven't really heard it yet uh waynesboro wilson and stanton would stay up in class three fort defiance would be dropping down into class two and, and and not just at the border. There there will be down this like eight school down into class two, right near Stewart's draft, who'll stay in class two. Riverheads going from class one up to class two. Uh they were there in the early 2010s. Um, so back up to class two. But Buffalo Gap would stay in class one as they would be the second largest school in class one. So we still have three different classifications across the Shenandoah district. Um, but a lot of the attention has been about the schools moving. Fort Defiance coming down to class two, Riverhead's coming up. Uh, let's talk, let's talk about the positive first. I think um, Fort Defiance, you know, this is a team that a uh, program that has been absolute dominant in girls sports, uh, particularly last year. They won the Yak Cup because of how, or they were second in Yak Cup, mm-hmm. uh, nearly won the Yak Cup because of how dominant they were in class uh, in the girls sports. Five of their six. Shenandoah district titles came from girls sports. This is where I think those sports, particularly softball, volleyball, that they could really have a, have a lot of success. If they're able to stay at that same level that they're playing now, I think they could see a lot of success at the state level in class two and not, you know, facing these class three C teams that they have been seeing every year. I absolutely agree. Um, I mean, this past year, you're talking about potential, you know, multiple you know, yeah. maybe state champions. I mean, yes. you know, that softball team, the volleyball team, the girls basketball team, all, all three. Yes. Were in the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
especially softball, um, you know, because at the softball level, you look at Page County reached the Class 2 state championship and Fort, you know, had their way with them during the regular right. season. So, um, you know, but regardless, you know, across the board, I think it's it's an awesome move for Fort Defiance. As you guys know, obviously, I'm a Fort alum, um, so I'm very familiar with a lot of the programs there, and I, I think it's going to open up doors for, for a yes. lot of the this teams um they, they've had some even you know even in some of their boys sports you know they've in, in the past couple years not necessarily this past season but they had some good boys basketball teams come mm-hmm. through there um you know they've, they've had some quality programs that I think, yeah good baseball teams um i think could have competed at the class two level a little more i'm not saying necessarily when state championships or anything like that but you know make deeper runs um get into the region and things like that and um i think this is going to open up a lot of doors for those athletes and you know even when you look at individual sports like track and field and things like that there's going to be more state champions coming out from from that from fort um so yeah i I think it's it's a it's a great move for them um and i think you're going to see it really pay off the next couple of years um like you said especially in girls sports i mean i know that girls soccer team is has a lot of talent returning next year um you know ellie cook the the all areas standout she's she's big time so it'll be fun to see you know how that works out for them the the other end of the division there Riverheads coming up, which, okay, I'm the Riverhead. You know, I'm the Riverheads grad, Riverheads homer on this podcast. I have no problem. Like, that's my official answer. I have no problem playing Class 2. If the numbers say Class 2, play Class 2, just the way I said when they were Class 1. In football, my immediate answer is they're still going to be competitive. I'm not looking for six straight state championships to continue, uh, you know, beyond uh, like like they've been doing in Class 1 because the last time they were in Class 2, they were competitive. They lost to two of the state championship, state champion teams, uh, Giles and uh, Gretna, in their four years that were in there. And then the other two years, they lost to a really good Wilson team that went on to do good things and was in the middle of their great run where they had a state championship uh, run in a different year. And then um, they had a one-point loss at home to Keen William, who was is a solid program. So they competed at that level when they were in there previously. So I wouldn't think any different now. They've absolutely dominated class one since they were in class two. And so I'm excited. I, I mean, I'm excited to be challenged a bit more because in all honesty, Riverheads is, in football has had their bigger um, challenges during the regular season. They've absolutely rolled through these playoffs. So I, I'm, I'm excited about that. But, you know, we've talked about Riverheads having an advantage in other sports because they play these bigger schools throughout the season. So then when they get in the class one playoffs, they've gone on some runs. I think we're going to see them kind of come back to normal with the, with a lot of their other sports where they won't have that advantage of being beaten up all season on good teams and, and playing what's viewed as lesser competition in postseason and proving it to be as they've gone to a lot of state appearances. So that's my view of Riverheads. Cody, what was your view when you saw Riverheads moving up? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, in terms of football, uh, you know, for some reason, you know, people still ha- have always said, you know, the whole, oh, they don't play anybody, even though they get, they went down and beat Lord Bodisat this year. And they, they do these things, you know, people for some reason still have things to say. Uh, I think, you know, they, they will not have any problem with that transition. We've seen it before. Um, we've seen them play class two schools. It, it will, I expect them to continue to do what they do. Again, I don't, I, I'm like you, I don't think they'll, they'll win six straight again or anything like that, but um, yeah, I expect them to be a, a high, high quality program at the class two level in football. Um, and, and yeah, I agree for the most part about the, about, you know, the other sports as well. Um, you know, I think in sports, like, like we saw this past spring, like soccer, where, where teams were kind of automatically advancing um, just because there was no one else in the region and things right. like that. 
yeah. you know, yeah. you won't see that as much now because obviously there's a little more um, competition at the class two level in terms of how many schools are able to put teams together. Um, but I, I do think, you know, still, you know, Riverheads has quality programs that will be competitive at class two in terms of volleyball, in terms of baseball. Um, the softball program has, has been pretty solid uh, as well. So, you know, I think there are still uh, plenty of other teams outside of football, um, you know, that will have a chance to compete at the class two level as well. It's, it's, um, you know, obviously going to be a little bit more competitive, but you know, Riverheads has a quality athletic program all across the board. And I, I think that'll continue. I mean, yeah, they were state runners up in 14. I believe that was the last year they were in division two. Uh, so like other programs are going to be capable of playing at that level. They've done it before. So, yeah, I, I agree there. Let's move it over to Buffalo Gap. You know, they're staying in class one by themselves per this per this uh, recommendation. Um, you know, I think we've already seen them at, you know, in some state competition already. So I think they should be happy looking at the numbers. That's where they belong. I'm fine with that. You know, if if there was some reason they came up into class two to make this a little more even here where all teams are in class three or class two, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But the same way when Riverheads was down there, if the numbers say – that's where you're at. That's where you're at. And I, I don't have a problem with that. So, but I'm looking forward to gap, you know, playing at that level, playing where they belong and, and hopefully continue in this run of success they've had. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think, um, you know, we, if we already saw how much it benefited them this past year. I mean, uh-huh. um, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many sports it was for sure, but obviously you guys know as, as well as anybody that, you know, they seem like they played Riverheads in a regional semifinal or a regional yeah. championship almost every sport uh, this past year. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think I just think, you know, you mentioned that they're the second largest class one school. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunities there for Buffalo Gap to have a lot of success. Um, you know, we, we saw it in girls basketball. We saw it um, with softball even. Uh, you know, softball was, I think, the third, fourth or maybe even fifth best team in the Shenandoah district when they right. went on their run. So. Um, it, 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 you know, it provides those, those athletes a chance. And, um, you know, now, especially with Riverheads out of the picture, you know, it, it seems like that region at least, um, you know, would be pretty wide open for them to, to have a lot of success in the next couple of years. I, I think particularly in football is, and I know it's easy to just look at football first, but like gap has their swings of really good years. You know, if, if they're able to have, I, I think they could capitalize in football. I really do. Um, you know, they've been they've won a state championship before. That's the only other Augusta County school to do so. Um, I, I think, you know, I would project them to be very successful in football. Just I mean, I think last year they could have been. I think I was saying it during the playoffs last year. If it wasn't for facing Riverheads in the region championship, they'd be a state playoff team. And uh, until Riverheads played Galax and I thought Galax was a very good team, I, I thought Buffalo Gap would have beat any of the teams. Gap, Gap would have beat Essex. Um, Gap would have beat, you know, the other semifinal teams I was looking at other than Galax. I, I really think uh, in football, there's just a really easy to see that transition there. Um, I mean, they, they got to play good. I mean, you got to be good. That's what I think gets lost in a lot of these reclassification discussions. They just, you know, championships aren't decided on numbers. You still got to be good. And that's why, you know, that's why when I look at the list here, uh, it's Washington and Lee, now Westmoreland. Uh, Fort Chiswell, Brunswick, those are the top other three schools in the top four of class one. None of those, those are all big schools for class one. None of them have been dominant in class one. So it's not just based on numbers. No, you're absolutely right. Um, every cycle or every school goes through cycles. I mean, you know what, I mean, all of us can sit here and talk about back when we were in school, which teams dominated, which schools dominated, um, you know, how that isn't the case anymore. And the bottom line is, you know, 
these schools, you know, like Joe talked about earlier, these schools can't recruit. So, you know, they have to take who comes from their towns and who, who comes from the area around them and who, who takes over the hallways. And um, they can't control those kids, um, you know, who arrives in their, in their schools. So um, every school is going to go through those cycles and, um, you know, teams are going to go through dominant spells and, and then teams are going to have setbacks. I mean, there could be a day where, where Riverheads football maybe, you know, has a, has a sub 500 season and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be hey. like the, the sky is falling in Greenville, <laughs> but you know, it can happen. <laughs> hey, I mean, this, this stretch they've had here of the last seven years where they've been in the state championship game every year um, and winning the sixth straight, I like, that's just crazy. It's just, it, it, it wasn't what they were doing before at river. They act like Riverheads has done that for 20 years. No, from 20, 2000 to 2015, it was like every five years they won a championship. Then they've right. been on this amazing run. I honestly think because this, that they got their program prepared for class two playoffs and they were doing well there and they just stayed at that level. I think they upped their game and then kept it going. Um, so that's why I'm not really worried about them trans- transitioning back up. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have a new coach. I know it's Ray Norcross who's been there longer than coach Casto has. And there's a lot of that, but, and a lot of similarity is going to stay there, but you know, it's, things are going to change. And at some point they're not going to be as dominant. And does that start now or in five years or in 10 years, but it, you know, it's just moving up a cycle. I are moving up a classification. I don't think that's going to be the re- reason Riverheads isn't as dominant. I think other sort other reasons will be the, that not just numbers. Right. Right. I agree completely. I, I think that, that's what's kind of unfortunate is now, you know, whenever they do have a, a, a less than, which for them, you know, the uh, unfortunate A-Law. part is perfection yeah. is, is what everybody <laughs> expects. But, you know, whenever they lose a couple of games, the unfortunate part is everybody's going to say, well, it's because they moved up the class two. Um, when the reality is it's just, it's inevitable at some point. Right. Well, another fun thing, I guess, about the reclassification is for some of these schools and some of these, you know, fan bases, you get to see other teams other schools that you haven't normally seen. One of the things that leaped out to me, Cody, and this will go back to your schools in the Valley District that you cover a lot more in Rockingham County and Harrisonburg. Um, a lot of those Albemarle County schools from the Jefferson District that they had been seeing are no longer in the same classification. And so that's not teams they'll be running into always in the postseason. What are some of the, uh, when you look at the classifications, I know Western Albemarle is still in there, but were there any other schools that you were like, oh, okay, that might be a team that, teams from Rockingham County or Harrisonburg we'll see instead of, you know, a Charlottesville or a Monticello? Um, no, to be honest with you, the, the, the main thing that stood out to me for, for the clock for the Rockingham County and Harrisonburg schools was the note about LCA. I mean, like I said, mm-hmm. LCA has just been a thorn in their side um, for, for pretty much every Rockingham County and Harrisonburg team that has been successful in the past five years um, since I've arrived at the DNR. Um, you know, they've just, it, they've been there at the, in the postseason for everyone. And so them moving down to class two, um, you know, that, that will now hurt, you know, Page County, Luray, obviously Fort Defiance, um, obviously, you know, Riverheads, all these schools now. But um, in terms of the Rockingham County schools, you know, the, the losing them um, was big. And obviously then, you know, in the last cycle when Western moved to class four, that was big because that was another team that was, that was a, thorn in their side so it's actually in some ways for the class three schools they've actually benefited more from this than than i feel like you know some of the class two schools just because of one lca and then two you know western a couple years ago moving up um you know those are two teams that have have really just in a lot of sports um 
you know, it's kind of, you know, when you, when you saw that team pop up in the postseason, you, you kind of had a bad feeling about what was going to happen. Sure. And I, I know with the reclassification, you know, Western's back. So you, you lose one Goliath and get the other one back, but right. Right. Lots of Roanoke schools too, which I've noticed. And obviously, you know, that's down the road for that's been there. Yeah. Down the road for them if they get there. But, um, I do think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, with, with Western Albemarle being kind of that, and I'm not super up to date on the Jefferson district and everyone who's in it, but Western being in there was the one I noticed and was like, okay, so, and I know you're right that the, it's a very good school in terms of athletics there, but outside of that, I'm like, okay, I've, I've seen William and Rose. I've, I've seen the Lord Botetots. I've seen Brookville's and Brookville's pretty good in football most years, but they're not unbeatable. They're not, uh, you know, the every once in a while they'll have a D one athlete, but outside of that, it's not like it's some powerhouse that is unovercome a team you can't overcome. And I no, kind of agree no, with you, Cody. I, I, I kind of seeing I'm LCA with, drop out of there and seeing some of those other schools move up. I was like, all right, well, this is actually pretty good for them. Yeah. I think the, the, the reason looks a lot more, um, I guess competitive uh, looks, you know, pretty wide open. I mean, it kind of reminds me of what you, you know, the old school region three C, you know, I can remember, you know, Broadway and some of those regional championship games um, mm-hmm. facing Western Albemarle, Waynesboro and Western Albemarle, or, mm-hmm. you know, Broadway and Rustburg. I mean, just th- some different matchups like that heritage um, as well. Um, you know, some of those, those Seminole Valley matchups, those are, those have been a lot of really fun postseason games. And um, obviously, yeah, across the board, then you, once you get into William Bird and, and, you know, Lord Botetite and all those, those have obviously been some good state matchups as well. I know, especially in softball, there's been some really good games with that that region. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the loss of LCA is just is the biggest story for those schools. And, unfortunately, it's, it's also we probably the biggest. Them. Yeah, we it's the biggest class story two. for class two as well. That's what I was going to say. It's, <laughs> it's unfortunate for them. Um, the one last point that I, I think I have that I just wanted to hit on, uh, the classifications for VHSL – and, and Joe had a great point to this. They, they basically threw it out there as districts. Now, you know, after I looked at all the data, and that's fine, everything that was going around the first day was talking about the districts. They were talking about having Allegheny, who is now going to be called Allegheny Highlands because they're taking on Covington. They're going to be a combined school. They're mm-hmm. going to class two now instead of uh, – I mean, Allegheny, I think, on their own was class two, and now adding Covington – doesn't even move them up. I, I think um, they're moving to class three. Excuse me. Excuse me. I do. I looked at my note, Ron. Uh, they're there at 619. Uh, but anyway, they'll be class three. But now they're talking about moving them to the Shenandoah district from the three rivers. Now, I'll say I've already seen stuff on Twitter and message boards talking that the school's going to put in to stay in the three rivers. So it might not even be an issue here in a month or so. Um, but I, I would hate that for the Shenandoah district. It seems like they finally got this district perfect with everybody being within 20 minutes of each other. I know we're across three different classifications, but I still think it works. Has to be good for the Gates. Has to be good for the student athlete. I would hate to just throw in this one oddball hour and 15 minute trip uh, down across another county and into another county before you even get there. I would hate for them to come into the Shenandoah district where it seems like they fit in that three rivers district, a big district I know, but still seems like they have their place there. Yeah, I agree completely. That one, I almost, you know, had, was doing a double take cause I was kind of wondering, you know, is this a typo? Is this, is this incorrect? You know, what's going on here? So um, yeah, I'm with you. The Shenandoah district makes sense. They've got it right. It's something, you know, in the same, same way that, that people were happy about East Rock coming to the Valley and everybody right. in Rockingham County's wanted that forever. 
everybody in Augusta County has wanted this, um, it, and they've got it right. Don't don't screw this up. You know, it just it, it makes no sense. Um, the valley that's the one thing about the valley now is is Rockbridge is kind of the outlier, and and everybody's kind of like, yeah, they're the one trip that they have to make. Um, and they've been down in that other district. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say the right name of the district, but they've been down in the one that has a lot of Roanoke schools in it before. And uh, yeah, it'd be nice if they could go back down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, but um, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. And, and yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I've heard already that they're um, they're looking into appealing that one, and so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, oh, if, if that did stick, um, I, you can consider me not a fan of that. <laughs> All right, so football is getting going. So we so with that where it makes sense to talk about it, focus on football now, uh, even though everybody does that with the reclassification talk. But I know you've been getting around to the Valley District teams uh, last week and this week. Uh, what are some highlights, uh, some highlight storylines coming out of uh, the Valley District so far? Well, there's uh, plenty of new coaches for me up here, um, not even just in the Valley District, but also in the Bull Run with East Rock, obviously, as well. You You know, Drew Spitzer taking over there. Um, the son of, you know, yeah. former Fort, Fort coach Dale Spitzer. I um, forgot that. I forgot that hire. That that's interesting. Yeah. So they they actually held a midnight practice last Thursday on the first day of uh of you know the official high school season. Cody, um, what do you think of those midnight practices? Well, I was out there. So um, <laughs> do you think anything good happens for seventeen year olds after midnight? You know, that's a great question. Um, it, <laughs> I'm put him on the spot. Leland doesn't think it's good. I'm not going to put these words in your mouth. I oh don't gosh. think it's the greatest thing to have these midnight I was say, practices. He's got to write about these people all year. Don't put him in that <laughs> Leland thinks that. Uh, I don't. Maybe I don't care how Cody feels. But yeah, I think it's. I think that's bizarre to me. I remember Broadway doing it at one point. I just. I just don't think it's setting your kids up for success. You can you can pivot from that point as quick as you want, but I I don't like it. Yeah, it was something they just did. Uh, they they said they wanted to spice it up, and they had a bus that actually took the kids home afterwards and, and things like that. Um, you know, but they had the support. I mean, the, the AD the AD was out there, the principal was out there, they had fans in the stands. Um, so it you know it it seemed to generate some excitement. But I do know that at East Rock has a has a a, a good team this year um they yeah. you know i think they have a chance to they were three and six last year they dealt with some COVID issues i think they have a chance to to be a good team this year and make a make some noise in region 2b um which obviously would now will be their last last year at the class two level but you know their quarterback jacari eves is, is really really good they, they can still sling it around and they've got some talent all over the field so i expect them to be pretty solid um it'll be interesting to see how you know how how Drew Spitzer does and how similar he is to, to his coach or his dad. Um, his dad actually was my coach back at Fort yeah. Defiance. So uh, he's, he was back there on the sidelines too as an assistant. So that was kind of cool to see, see those two back together. But, um, but yeah, over on the Valley district, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that it's just so wide open this year. I mean, so many teams lost, you know, so many key, key pieces, um, you know, so many big names from across that league are gone and, um, I mean, almost every team I feel like I've been asking, you know, I haven't known the kids that, <laughs> that they're bringing me to talk to because they're just, they're, they're so young and, and so many of the guys that I'm used to talking to have graduated. So I think that's going to be a league that's really wide open. Obviously, Rockbridge has a brand new coach. Um, Broadway replaced a ton of seniors. TA replaced a ton of seniors. Harrisonburg is in their second year under under um, Kyle Gillenwater. Um, they're still kind of getting their their identity a little bit. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Spotswood is a team 
that, that had a rough year a year ago, and they're trying to they're trying to build some young pieces up. So um, a lot of youth. I don't necessarily know if this is a year where we see a Valley team make a really deep run in the postseason, but um, yeah. it, it should make for some some really competitive games. Well, last year I know the Valley District. I mean, it was kind of a down year. Do you do you think? You know, it, Waynesboro was the, probably the team that highlighted that last year, especially down the back stretch of the season where they kind of went through the Valley District and had, you know, multiple victories, including beating TA. Um, yeah, they're, they're claiming they're, they're, they have already told me they claim themselves as the Valley District champion in 2021. <laughs> uh, Joe must dig that. He dig UCF did. doing that. So yeah, Joe must. Dig that. I'm a big fan. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you expect, um, you know, maybe maybe not a big state run or anything, but do you expect to be an upswing in the Valley District this year? Uh, you know, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I hate to say that, but, um, you know, I, I honestly, looking across the league last year, I thought last year's teams were were honestly better. But, uh, again, that 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 could be a, a situation that, you know, in, in a month or two from now, I'm, I'm having a different conversation with you because, they, this you know, there's been years where I've said that going into a season about certain teams and certain sports, and then, you know, you have new faces that come into the scene and, and you know, step up and you, you find out, um, you know, how good these teams are. There's there's obviously probably good quality JV teams around here that, that you know, I don't know as much about the kids that come up from those programs and, um, so there, there's certainly stuff um, that could change. But, you know, going in, uh, like I said, there's just so many new faces. Um, you know, I don't know if I can name one starting quarterback in the Valley District right now because of how open, open it is. Um, and I, I don't, that doesn't mean I can't name any quarterbacks. It just means at a, every school I can name two or three that are probably competing for the job. Um, same with, I mean, a lot of the skill positions. And that's especially where I think you're seeing it is the skill positions. There's just so much loss from last year. Um, TA had 20 some seniors last year, uh, you know, so it's going to be, um, honestly in a year like this, this is where you almost wonder what Spotswood does because Spotswood was playing sophomores and freshmen a year ago. And now they're all a year, year of experience. So maybe they're the team that kind of takes a step back up to what they used to be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an extremely young league. I mean, I, I can't stress that enough. There's, there's youth all across the board and, um, it, it might make for some ugly football early in the season, and then maybe uh, as the year goes along, we, we see where teams are. But I, I think it's going to be wide open. I, 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 I quite honestly cannot even pick a favorite right now at this point because there's just so much unknowns about every team. <laughs> and I, I'm rooting for Waynesboro to be the thorn in everybody's side again this year. I mean, they, they bring that quarterback and running back back. I, I'm, I'm excited for them to take their lickings early in the season to see what they can do against the Valley again. And they have that perfect schedule where they just play, you know, almost like bad cop for the Valley District because they play them all at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, they came in last year and and, and all TA and Broadway. I mean, I know especially Broadway. Broadway was playing some really good football and they were they were really starting to click and they were looking like a team that, man, they're gonna make a, a really special run here. And then they ran into Waynesboro down at Waynesboro and Waynesboro beats them. Um and it, it was just like no team, no team could get past Waynesboro. And and I was just like it was kind of like you didn't believe it when it was happening. And it just slowly, every game, they just kept piling up these wins. They go down to Bridgewater, and I was at that game, and they, they just ran all over TA, which had a really good defense, and Waynesboro just made them look silly. Um, their offensive line just dominated that game. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of funny how that schedule works out for Waynesboro. And I, I'm with you, though. I think Waynesboro is going to be good this year. I think they're going to be very good. Um, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know how they'll do in the Shenandoah district. I don't know how, the, how they'll stack up against that against the rest of that league. But I do know that against the Valley District, I would say that they're probably 
you know, compared to the other five teams in the Valley, they're the best team on that bunch. Well, I was going to say, I, I think this is a team that not only, I mean, I don't think they're going to win the Shenandoah district, but sure. If they're claiming the Valley district championship last year, I think they could do that again this year. I, I think, I think this is a team that is getting, they do lose some players, but they also bring a lot back, especially yeah, in key a lot skill of positions. And they got Barber is one of the best running backs in the, in the area. So, I mean, that's, that's always like a huge boost. Was impressive. Yes. And if he can take that step, right? Like that's the thing. Right. If he takes the step and improves on what he was last year, then yeah, this is a team that won't beat Riverheads, but who knows what happens when they play draft who lost a lot, who knows what happens when they play, uh, some of these other teams in the Shenandoah district, Gap. the Buffalo Gap. Yeah, Gap yeah Buffalo Gap's one that I think they would want back. That game did not go well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know they like you guys said the, the skill the skill players for them are, are what's really impressive. Um, you know, Ryan Barber is Ryan Barber, but yeah, I, I'm with you guys. If Blake Jones can improve at the quarterback spot, um, I mean, he wasn't bad last year, but if he, if he takes a step forward. Um, yeah, they're going to be – and I've seen some things on social media where he's been at a lot of college camps. Yeah. He's been doing, a, doing yeah. a lot of stuff this summer. So I'm excited to see him play. I mean, I'm excited to see what he, how much you know he's improved. And, um, yeah, he could take that team to the next level. And, you know, outside of Riverheads, you know, the Shenandoah District, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Could, they, could they come up as that number two team? Um, you know, I, I certainly think they could. If You know, I almost wrote down in my season preview, I said, hey, Waynesboro's got the best quarterback running back coming back. I forget about Riverheads having Dunlap and Triple C coming back, so you gotta cede it to them. But I mean, Waynesboro is making a run at that. You know, they're they're doing what they can at that. I, you know, I think Triple C is the best running back in the district, and 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 Barber's great though. Like any other any other team in that district, I think Waynesboro by and far has the best quarterback running back situation. And coming back, even it's just great. Yeah, and you just gotta like. You know, I, I like the energy, the 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 atmosphere around that program right now. They they seem to be all on the same yeah. page. They're doing it's good like things. One eighty. So I mean, I love it. I love that story about like this is movie Disney movie kind of thing. Like they're canceling games because they don't have enough players to play. Two years ago, I mean, just not that long ago, and then here they are. You know, coming in the season with excitement. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been awesome. So yeah, I, I think you know the Valley District as a whole. Um, it's kind of a step behind, um, you know, even Waynesboro this year. So, um, you know, I think, again, especially with them all being class three and Harrisburg being a class five, you know, it, it, it's going to take, you know, a surprise run for me to see anybody going far. But again, there's been years where I thought that and then teams, you know, surprised me once to see the start. So we'll see. So we'll let you get out of here. I mean, we could talk Hokies all day. I'm sure we'll, we'll save that for another time. You're, you're as excited as I am. I know you are with what, Coach Prize doing, but I'm sure you agree it's time to go win some football games, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just ready to get started now. I've, I've you know, read all the, the hype articles and yeah. watched the videos. I'm, I'm ready to see football now. <laughs> so to get you out of here uh, without going through all that, uh, what in this summer vacation, you know, where you're not writing about uh, high school teams and multiple high school teams every single night, I know you're still covering uh, Rockbridge County League and Valley League, but what what are you watching? What what would you recommend for our listeners to get into uh, that you found this summer? Uh, well, the, the the one sports related thing that I watched this summer um, was uh, Winning Time on um, HBO Max. The, the Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it, it, it was crazy. I, I thought it was going to be a little more um, realistic, I guess. <laughs> um, 
I thought it was going to, I was expecting more of, I guess, documentary style almost, but um, it, it was, it was still interesting. It still kept me, kept me entertained. Um, I watched the whole season um, and yeah, seeing John C. Riley as Jerry Buzz, Jerry Buss and, and all that, that was kind of interesting, but yeah, that's, that's really about it, man. I mean, I've, I've just been trying to, you know, you've been traveling some. Yeah. Too. I've been traveling when I, uh, when I've been, had the time and, you know, this is about the only time of the year I could take any time off. So I've done that. I went and saw the Savannah Bananas down in uh, Georgia. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, watched them play, and, and that, that was awesome. But, yeah, just been uh, trying to, you know, spend a, a couple weekends out of town, and, you know, now we're getting back into the ground with football season. So See all the people you care and love uh, so they can forgive you come come September. When exactly. <laughs> when, the, when they don't see me for, for four months, yeah. <laughs> well, Cody, thanks for uh, helping us with all this reclassification talk. and. Uh, going heavy on the Valley District that we always seem to uh, skip over. Uh, we appreciate having you on. I'm sure we'll get you on here again soon as football season gets kicking off. Cool. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Well, thanks again for Cody coming on there. Uh, let's move this to talk ahead. I think we'll come back at the end uh, and have some a little bit of thoughts on uh, some of the reclassification stuff, some some outside thoughts uh, that we didn't want to peg on Cody's head. Uh, so, but right. thanks for Cody coming on. Always appreciate him. Uh, let's move on to what I originally had scheduled for this podcast uh, was the golf, a little bit of a preview here. Uh, last year, Wilson Memorial won the Shenandoah district tournament, uh, giving them the district crown. Uh, they opened the season real well today. The season started for golf. They're already going on real matches. Wilson won the first match today. They won by 14 strokes over Stanton, uh, then Fort Defiance, Riverheads, uh, then Waynesboro, then Gap, and then Draft. So uh, after Wilson and Stanton and Fort, then things got mixed up from how it ended last year. So Trina McDaniel has them going well at Wilson there. But, um, you know, the golf season's always fun. I know last year, I, I think uh, it was um, John Elam who won from Stanton and kind of stood out there. Um, but I know Nicholas Jones was a state qualifier from Stewart's draft. So uh, still, you know, you want to see what guys can do this year. Um, you know, you want to see Riverheads get better at the class one there. Uh, they have a, you know, a nice balanced um, team there with three seniors, three juniors, uh, three sophomores, and one freshman there. Buffalo Gap with uh, a lot of younger talent, four juniors and one freshman. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, out of the class one, as we have that split district that we talked a lot about in, reclassifications if one of those two teams can kind of show a little bit better i know gap did make it to the state uh tournament as a team last year so like let's see if they're able to get back to that see if riverheads can kind of match up to them but also i'd like to see something out of wilson in class three and see if that team can kind of take that next step we saw uh, their tennis you know take a next step last spring i want to see their golf do that here in the fall yeah i think you know those are all interesting points and we'll see what they can do but speaking of local sports news we should uh, our guest, Cody Elliott, just texted us, and I saw on Twitter, breaking news, Matt Rea, uh, who was the assistant coach at East Rockingham for football, will now be the new AD at Waynesboro. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's that's live update. You know, we barely ever break Boom. news. courtesy of Cody Elliott. We got we to credit Cody Elliott. Uh, if we could have just caught it a couple minutes earlier, he could have said it live. Well, if we hadn't uh, been talking but- to him, taking up his time. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. He's he probably picking up messages. He's probably last to it. <laughs> it's because of coming on here. Um, but that's interesting. Uh, 
uh, Ray going there to uh, Will to Waynesboro. Waynesboro lost their athletic director Jeremiah Major to Stewart's draft after they shifted their administration. So that's that's interesting there. And he was an assistant at East Rock. You said yes. So that's yeah, that's interesting there. So Waynesboro, you know, we talked a lot about them with their football. Uh, just a minute ago on the podcast, but you know, I'd like to see their athletic department kind of making steps upward. I think we've seen a sport here and a sport there, um, but I'd like to see, you know, they were down in the rankings, especially as a class three team in the Yak Cup. So looking for big things out of them. I know that athletic director will be trying to push for that there at Waynesboro. Yeah. I think it's going to be exciting to see what he can do with his tenure at Waynesboro and see if he can continue the growth we've already seen. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, Major's going to Stewart's draft. It's, they've had a lot of success, yeah. and I'm sure he's going to look to continue that as well. Yeah, and luckily his predecessor is going to be, you know, down the hall, so uh, he'll be able to coordinate. But I, I'm sure I'm sure Jeremiah will do a good job there. He's, he's had a lot of success, uh, you know, as a football coach. And, um, you know, I think some of the credit that Waynesboro's had these last couple of years for the singular sports kind of getting their upturn, uh, you could look to him at kind of helping support that growth. So that's that's good there. Um, so that's golf. Golf started already. So uh, we'll see how that goes through the district season. Volleyball, cross country, football, they all start about the same week. They all start that week of the uh, 21st or 22nd of August. So we'll have some look aheads at those sports coming up. Um, you know, Fort Defiance went in that district last year in volleyball and then both sides across country. So a lot to preview there and see what we get. Um, Joe, how's the Valley League? I know you closed up your coverage, uh, your nightly coverage of the Valley League, but uh, what do we have going on there? Um, I know we had Waynesboro and Charlottesville getting a series going. What happened with that one? Charlottesville ended up sweeping Waynesboro in one day. Um, oh. It was one of those things where rainouts double kind header of, too. Yeah, the the rainouts kind of Ugh. facilitated them having to get as many games in as they could. They're still playing the North because they can't get games in up there. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. They might end up playing the championship. And that's Percival in and Woodstock. Percival and Woodstock because Percival upset Strasburg, um, and, and knocked them out of the playoffs in three games. Uh, Woodstock swept Front Royal, which was not a surprise. Uh, but. Charlottesville, uh, they swept Covington. Not a big surprise. Waynesboro went the full three with Harrisonburg, which was a good series between two good teams. And then Charlottesville, who has played a lot better recently toward the close of the season. Their offense has really come alive. Uh, they ended up sweeping Waynesboro, so they're waiting for a championship opponent. Um, but also announced today was the South All-Valley League team, which I actually voted on. Um, my MVP vote was the winner, Seaver King, from Harrisonburg. Um, I, I just felt like he was by far the best player in the South division this year. He was a fantastic shortstop, uh, from Wingate, uh, division two school there. And, uh, he played a really mean shortstop and honestly was one of the biggest thorns in Stanton's side all summer long, uh, pitcher of the year in the South division was named as well. That's Kelsey Ward. He was a Waynesboro general. And then when you're looking at the rest of the South division team, um, not a lot of surprises in my opinion, Satchel Norman. Uh, who actually ended up being drafted, uh, was from Charlottesville. Cole Wagner from first base. Charlottesville, you can kind of see why Charlottesville's in the championship. Second base, Christian Martin, Charlottesville, also attends Virginia Tech. Um, Seaver King, shortstop. Matt Ruiz, who plays at Waynesboro, was third base. Joe De Los Santos, one of two Stanton Braves to make the All-South Division team. Uh, as a, he was one as an outfielder. Yeah, Joe Sullivan from Waynesboro. Mikey Rosario, 
from Harrisonburg, who attended Miami, but is going to transfer to FIU. And then one of the most exciting players to come on at the end of the year, Carter Cunningham from Charlottesville, also made the All-South team. Just a fantastic player. Um, then you have uh, Caleb Callie, Waynesboro, DH. Mitch Ferris was a utility player uh, from Harrisonburg. Pitchers, we already talked about Kelsey Ward. Uh, Miles Hellams from Stanton was one. He's going to go play at Sam Houston or Sam Houston State. I can't remember what they prefer to be called. Um, we, we recognize them as Sam Houston State. Okay. Trey Yasavage <laughs> was a Charlottesville pitcher. Logan McClure, another Harrisonburg pitcher. But one of the relievers is actually the son of El Duque, who pitched in Waynesboro this summer. Uh, Orlando Hernandez, also his name, uh, was 3-0 with a .64 ERA. and was absolutely just a dominant pitcher every time I saw him. Uh, John Armstrong from Charlottesville was also very good. And that rounds out the South team. Well, very interesting. I saw, um, you know, we talk about the Valley League being in the playoffs. Often we kind of cut to the Cape Cod League a little bit. They haven't even started their playoffs yet. They're still playing regular season games up there. Uh, I saw some JMU players, at least one, that uh, had signed on recently up there. So it showed me that, hey, you know, the Valley League that loses players in August, not the only ones. Even the Cape Cod goes through that. Oh, sure. And, and the Cape Cod takes a big hit during the draft. Um, right. They lose a lot of players in the draft. Um, the Valley League had some former VBL guys get drafted, which was cool to see. Uh, Ryan McCarty, who was a former Stanton Brave, didn't mm -hmm. get drafted, but signed with the Toronto Blue Jays, yeah. which was awesome. Uh, and I was happy for him. Jack Maslov was another former Stanton Brave and a VCU Ram. He signed with the Detroit Tigers. Um, so all good news there and very exciting stuff for them. And, you know, obviously wishing them all well. So we went Valley league baseball, major league baseball trade deadline. That's been the biggest news, uh, leading into this week. I've been out of the loop all day. I know the trade deadline is Tuesday night at six. Uh, what, what did I miss today, Joe? It's Monday. What did I miss in the trade deadline moves? So the biggest thing, especially for local sports fans, is the long-rumored, you know, impending kind of yucky feeling us Orioles fans had of Trey Mancini likely being traded at the trade deadline that we were kind of hoping wasn't going to happen because of our recent success getting within striking distance of a playoff spot. Maybe the GM would be convinced standing pat is the best move and not selling off pieces. Well, he sold off Trey Mancini at least, um, and that hurt. Because uh, that's kind of the clubhouse guy. He's the clubhouse leader. Um, he had been a big part of this franchise during the rebuild, um, playing that leader, captain kind of role. And then um, also battling cancer and coming back and having the success he's had. Just a real guy who had the fan base had fallen in love with, um, was really big into charities, including, um, I know we talked about this last year, um, it, but... You know, this was the first, I think, Mo Gabaday since he had passed away in Baltimore was actually the last Orioles home game. Uh, and Trey Mancini ends up hitting an inside the park home run during the game. And you it just, was awesome. You couldn't write a better storybook ending yeah. for his final at bat as an Oriole with it being Mo Gabaday, a kid that meant so much to him um, and his how much his family means to him. And it was really heartbreaking. I mean, I, you know, you look at some of the quotes from Orioles writers, Rock Kabaka, who works at Masson, which is the basically Orioles propaganda arm with the Nationals. Um, <laughs> but 
Rockabaco is a really good writer, but I mean, that is what Madison is. But said that he's filled with emotions, excited to be in the pennant race, but this is obviously hard. Said he had been stalling, putting off leaving the clubhouse, and was really hard saying goodbye to Brian Ebel, who's one of the athletic trainers, I think he's the head athletic trainer, and the athletic training staff in general was the hardest goodbyes he had because he credits them with saving his life in 2020 because they're the ones who found the cancer. And Mm. um, just to know he's not going to be an Oriole anymore really sucks because, as I said, and I I think I had said on this podcast, at the time, before we were like in the conversation of a playoff spot, look, you're not bringing him back. If you can get anything for him, sure, trade him. But now that you were within, you know, three games or three and a half, I think, of a playoff spot coming into today, you kind of, I was kind of hoping they were going to stand pat and see what happens. They did get two. Uh, prospects, uh, one from the Rays, one from the Astros, and a three-team deal. Uh, both are pitching prospects. Uh, one is expected to be called up by uh, 2024, and I think another one in 2023, the end of 2023 maybe. Um, I don't know about that. We'll see. I, I, neither one has played higher than A-ball, and I, I'm not convinced on the return yet, but I'm also not an MLB GM who's watched tons of tape on these people. But... Um, We'll see what happens. It's it's heartbreaking as a fan. It's the emotional side that when you get attached to a team and players, like that's hard uh, and sucks. It, but at the end of the day, I understand it's a business and I get it. Um, it just sucks, and that's been one of the biggest biggest heartbreaks. Um, your Pirates are shipping people in the division. Standard operation. Yeah, yeah. they just traded um, somebody to the Cardinals. Uh, oh, Quintana in, yeah, Quintana, in the division. Yeah to the Cardinals. So, uh, I, you know, I, I'm in a group text with a lot of baseball fans and someone, but what are they doing trading them in the division? And I was like, I think the pirates owner just likes to watch the world burn. Like, I think he honestly gets some like decent players just to have their fans fall in love with them. So he can trade them. Like, I think that's what fuels him, <laughs> but, uh, I, the Yankees are adding a bullpen arm, which sucks. I just hate it. Like, this trade deadline, it just felt like every bit of news was just, like, another kick in the groin. And I was just like, <laughs> damn it. Like, and, you know, the other thing that kind of bothered me, and I sent it to you, is, like, I don't like this. It was, like, Michael Elias uh, being asked, I guess, and just saying, I look forward to seeing what we can discuss with Trey and free agency. And I'm like, well, you're not bringing it back. You wouldn't. It, you wouldn't have traded him if you were bringing him back. So don't even, like, tease the fans with that. Like, that's not going to break my heart when he's not re-signed in free agency because I know. But, like, there's going to be fans that are going to read that and be like, okay, maybe we traded him, got some pieces, and we'll bring this him back. the NBA. Yeah. yeah it, that, well, some teams do that, right? It's It's been done before in Major League Baseball. But we're not doing that. It we're not going to do that. Far. Yeah. So it's just – I don't like that. Um we're beating the P out of the Rangers tonight, which kind of surprised me. I I was almost expecting kind of a deflated clubhouse go in and lose, especially after losing two out of three to the dog crap Cincinnati Reds, which was a real gut punch this weekend too. I that sucked. Um, but I I think this this trade sends the message like the front office just does not think we're gonna get we're gonna steal that last playoff spot this summer, which is fine. Um, that wasn't the goal coming into the year. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the goal coming into the year. It's okay. We're we are competitive, which I like. Um, now, 
the flip side of that is the front office. I, I'm okay with trading Trey Mancini, and you know, if these guys work out, that's great. And if not, you know, okay, I understand. You're, you're it's a guessing game with prospects. But then the goal also has to be to spend money this offseason because you are not far away. So you need to spend yeah. money. You need to bring in some starting rotation arms because we've gone 14 straight starts or 14 straight games without a quality start. It's hard to believe we've won as many games as we have in that stretch. But you need starting pitchers. Austin Voth isn't going to cut it. I know he's like amazed with the new analytics and data we have that apparently the Washington Nationals don't have, according to him, which is fine. But he's not great. Dean Kramer sucks. Like, we got to improve the starting pitching. Some of these guys that are in the minors, we need to see what they got. Um, and and I, I'm just ready for this team to next year take that step, make that push. I think that if this is not a playoff team next year, I think that's when you start asking some questions of people in their roles in the organization. Yeah, yeah, you got to make the turn, and uh, it seems like they have with on-field stuff. So you're gonna got to start seeing it off the field. Um. The only other thing that kind of popped up in baseball this week is that I've kind of I've started realizing that Aaron Judge is going to be in the 60s in home runs. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, probably. But um, it's just he's on that pace and he keeps hitting them. I you know I thought you maybe slow down in the end of July, but and then I, I compared to other guys that have hit you know 60, 70 home runs where they were at this point. And he's he's going to do it. Like he's at 42 as of Monday morning. And uh, he's got two months to hit 20 home runs. Like they people people do that all the time. So uh, I hope he doesn't. I hope we don't have the uh, the highlight on New York. Um, him hitting 60 plus home runs for a team that's winning is going to be kind of a different thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the summer of Sammy and McGuire, both those teams weren't winning. Uh, when Bonds did it all, they weren't winning a whole lot. Uh, so, and I'm sure there's been others and, and maybe the better, better cases of winning, but the Yankees are one of the best, top teams in baseball and he's hitting 60 home runs. So, um, that's, that's going to be an interesting topic. I don't like any of it. Yeah. Um, the only silver lining I have is that I, I, I was able to get him in my fantasy team and, um, it looks like he's going to be the most valuable Tuscan on the Tuscan Raiders this year. And that's about the only good news I can get from it. Um, so last, so shifting gears a little bit last week, we did have a touch of football talk. I want to have a touch of football talk again here. Um, but this time college football. So outside of Hokies or anything directly affecting our Virginia teams that we're going to talk a lot about throughout the whole season, as you're sitting here at the beginning of August, getting the itch, what are some college football storylines, uh, one or two that you're most interested looking at? Outside of our teams. Yeah, outside. I mean, obvi- uh, we have the obvious biggest stories. We're going to beat them to death the next month. Sure. I just, ahead of that, wanted to kind of, what other storylines are you kind of watching in college football? I kind of like one of yours that you have on there. I'm very Can interested. I'll use the other one. Okay. I'm very interested in Miami. I want to see what the Hurricanes are going to have with their new coach and if this is finally the start of them building back to what they were. Uh or if this is just another coach that they bring in, spend a lot of money, and then it falls flat. I I mean, it's what they were 20 years ago is, is where we're at. And, I mean, oh sure, they have one ACC championship game appearance. Did they win it that year? Or? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, one championship game appearance in the, in, in, in the ACC, in their time in the ACC. Mm-hmm. So since 03, 04. Um, yeah, I mean, 
this has got to be something for them soon. Otherwise, you know, they're not quite Nebraska yet. But like, I will what, say it know? seems it does seem like they are investing a lot of money in the athletic department, which they have not done in the past, in addition to just hiring this coach, um, which would be a reason for concern if I'm a Virginia Tech fan. But yeah. but also on the national scale, I mean, I mean, I think this qualifies solid for you and my view of like wondering what they're going to do with Miami with their new coach. Like, where do they set up in the national scale? You have to be good in the ACC and affect the Hokies. But, like, do they enter back into the national picture? And, and that brings me to, like, the other teams that I have that I'm wondering about. Oklahoma, they've been on the national picture, but they've kind of been the fake team there these right. last couple of years. They, they haven't really been a dominant. They've, they've been dominating their games, but then they get to the big boy games and they can't handle it. You know, does Venables get them over that hump? I I. I'm interested to see how Venables does as a head coach coming out of Clemson and, and being that high profile defensive coordinator for so long. What is he able to do at Oklahoma that, that gets him over that hump or do they take a step back? I think that's a real interesting thing to watch there at Oklahoma this year. I agree. Um, I think losing both their quarterbacks to the portal hurt. I losing yeah. Spencer Rattler, not so much, but losing the other one going to USC following rally yep. to USC, losing the second quarterback to USC was a big blow. Um, they both went to a USC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just different USC's <laughs> on different coasts, but that, that hurt. Um, and, and honestly, I, I don't know. That's the biggest unknown. I don't, I don't know if I have them as a favorite to win the big 12 this year because of that. Um, State, yeah. Oklahoma state is good. Baylor will be good. Um, you do wonder if Texas they're, they're the Miami of the big 12. Like, are they ever going to put it together? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's been it's been a similar amount of time. It's been since mm-hmm. what oh five since Texas sure, was since they've been really, relevant. really battling. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other team kind of in the same category that I have. Uh, you know, a new coach wondering what they're going to do. Florida, you know, they got the coach out of uh, Louisiana um, that I thought that we we would be interested in at Virginia Tech. So I want to see what he's able to do there. Um, and uh, it's just it's my embarrassing that I'm not saying his name right now. Um, but you know, I want to see what he's able to do with Florida. You know, that's, that's a team that kind of lives on that edge of, are they good or are they not? And I just don't, I don't believe they're that far away from being good. I I think they get plenty of talent in there. So I think the right guy doing the right thing can really turn around as you would expect at Miami. So I'm interested to see what Florida is doing. That's, that's one of those teams I'm really watching. Yeah. Billy Napier. Good call. Yep. Billy Napier. (laughs) I tried to help you out and put in the notes and then you said it out loud. Um, but yeah, Billy Napier, um, in hindsight, I think Virginia Tech made the right call. Yeah. I, I I'm not sure why. if, I'm sure if you go to Billy Napier yeah. and say, you want to coach at Florida, Virginia Tech, he's going to use Florida. That's fine. I, I, I guess what I, I how I should have phrased that is Virginia that Tech. High. It ended up working out for Virginia Tech. Yeah. I think we got the right guy. I, and I, you know, I say that before we play ODU. So I <laughs> just want to make sure we win that one. Yeah. Again, it just um, comes down to that. You can't lose that one. The last one that I, I have on this list, and I have it last for a reason, is Notre Dame. They promoted their coordinator to head coach. He's getting He's a lot a of young pub. Coach. He's getting a lot of pub. I think it's the best hire out of the ones I just said. I know you're going to say Miami. I, I know because you've already said it. But the way the image that's coming out of Notre Dame just seems a whole lot healthier to me for what they need to be to be successful. And um, I'm not necessarily just – 
cracking on um, Brian Kelly. <laughs> Brian Kelly with that comment. But I just think coming into the situation of where you have a change of coach, I think he's approaching it the right way. He has that fire in him. Uh, I think him being young is good. I'm, I, I honestly, I'm kind of rooting for the guy. I, I, I know that, and I only say that because it's not going to affect us. We're not playing for the same thing this year. Um, I'm kind of rooting for this guy because I, I want him to kind of prove him wrong. There's an aspect of that of me remembering how quick uh, Willingham got ran out of there too. That might be playing into my mind on why I'm rooting for this guy. I want him to be successful there. Um, but I, I'm kind of rooting for the guy. I like the, the, the uniform. I don't like these, all these uniform, um, reveals that teams do and stuff. I I like to see what we're going to wear and that's fine. But the big outlandish stuff that they do for it sometimes gets on my nerves. I thought the one they did for Notre Dame for their game that they're going to play in Vegas was pretty funny. And they did like a spoof on, uh, the Hanover movie and they had the Golics there and, like, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool, and I thought how the coach interacted was cool. Um, so, I don't know. For one, maybe even a half a season, just for a little bit of time, I'm kind of rooting for this guy to be successful so that maybe some of those voices at Notre Dame that have been wrong in the past on things other than football might shut up. And uh, so that's kind of what I'm rooting for. Um, they ran Ty Willingham out of I know. really quick. I, I know. I know. I hear you on that. I don't know if I could ever root for Notre Dame. I, I don't. I'm rooting for this guy. I think that's the. I, I think I'm. I hear you on the guy. I think he's a great guy. I wish yeah, him I all the success in the world outside of Notre Dame. I <laughs> I don't know if I could uh, even. I mean, it's going to have to be like Notre Dame against Alabama or something, like another school that I just hate. And even then, I might be like, mm. I'm rooting for them to have that opportunity this year. How's that? Can like, they both lose? That's not going to affect what what my team's doing. Them having that opportunity. I. I like they have gone in those games and lost. Like I'd like to see them immediately, like have an opportunity with him and, and see, give him that chance. See, see if it's different. Yeah. I hear you. I just, mm, it's really hard to root for that. Don't, don't they have a big game I, against somebody this year? One of my, one of my G fives. Don't one of my G fives play him. Or is that somebody else? Cincinnati. Who do they play this year? Cincinnati played him last year. They probably play him this year. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I, thought, I don't have Notre Dame schedule memorized. Do they have Ohio State, maybe? Somebody plays Ohio State. Oh, that's one of those early games, isn't it? Somebody plays Ohio State. There's a big opening week. It is Notre Dame. Oh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. There you go. There's an opportunity to look look good early. And, Gosh. Uh-oh. That's another one. <laughs> that's another one I don't know who I root for. Uh, I owed Ohio State for a lot of reasons, but both insufferable fan bases. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you're saying this now, but as soon as Notre Dame starts like five and zero, yeah. and their fans show up, yeah. you're gonna be like, I'll hate them. Yeah, mm. that's I, I. I think I'm showing that and want to say like I'm rooting for maybe a half a season. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. I'm rooting for this guy to be successful and then, then break their hearts and leave because he's better than that. That's that's what I'm, that's what I'm rooting for. Um, my only other college football storyline. Um, it's a little bit different than what we've been saying here with these different teams, Georgia. I think everybody's looking at how much of their talent got drafted and just saying, well, Georgia's going to take a, you know, solid step back. I, I don't, I think you're going to see them in the top five when they actually release an AP poll and stuff for good reason, because they have a lot of defensive talent back the way that they cycled people through their defense last year. The starters were mostly upperclassmen and guys, you know, seniors and juniors that got drafted. 
fine. They have a lot of on-field experience coming back. So, you know, maybe they're not only giving up 10 points a game like they did last year on defense, but maybe they're only giving up 14 points a game. They're still going to win a lot of football games because of that. So I'm still hopeful that Georgia can, you know, allow Notre Dame, allow Alabama not to win that conference. That's what I'm rooting for there. So, um, and then I'll soon, I'll, I'll hate Georgia. I think your best bet there um, actually might be Texas A&M. They're going to be good. See, I'm not going to root for that. I know you're, you're not, but I'm just saying they're going to be really good too. Yeah, I'm not rooting for that. I, they were it's possible we don't year. see I Alabama. to disappoint again. I was going to say it's possible we don't see Alabama in the SEC championship, which would be delicious. That'd be nice. Hey, but they still make it in the playoff when they do that. I know. Yeah, the rules don't <laughs> apply to them, which is why the playoff is stupid. They benefit by not losing this SEC championship game. It's like, well, they weren't in the damn thing. Yeah. They weren't good <laughs> enough to be in it, but they're good enough to be in the NCAA football playoff. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Texas A&M, uh, their, their defense is going to be real good. And they got that LSU quarterback in there. So, yeah, I, I acknowledge what, what you're saying is probably true. They were disappointing last year. So they got to completely not disappoint this year. They were disappointing except for that Alabama game. Yeah, that's the that's the big buildup this year, though, is the next Alabama game is when uh, those two coaches that went after each other early in the summer uh, mm-hmm. about, you know, who's cheating the most. And uh, they're both they're both right. They're both cheating. Uh, <laughs> that's my favorite thing. You, you notice where a lot of this NIL cap conversation is coming from is SEC. Yeah. The bag man's money is not as good as it used to be. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a little touch (laughs) on college football. I'm sure we'll talk about it. We, I know we get bogged down in time uh, with high school football uh, as September approaches. So I wanted to hit that a little bit now. Uh, Did you do anything uh, fun this weekend? I did, but are we not going to talk about the, the other news? It's not good news, but. Um, Tell me the other news, the NFL news. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so Watson is only going to get six games. It, it's just hypocritical. I, I, I just, I don't, I, you know, it's hard to touch the story and not have the off the field aspect be just blatantly talked about. But when you have 22, 23, whatever we get to, 24 accusers We're above 30. of similar, say I'm not even up to date on that. I, I just had heard enough. I had heard enough on Deshaun Watson and how many accusers he has of very similar activity, inappropriate activity at best, at very best, inappropriate activity. Um, You know, you talk, the NFL talks a big talk about, you know, the law is the law, but we have personal code of conduct and stuff like this, and they've suspended players for entire years on code of contact for single incidences. here's, Here's a guy that's had you know, accused of 30 incidents and uh, we're just giving him six games, which I think is kind of the minimal in this situation. I, I don't like it. I, I'm not out here to be against Deshaun Watson, but I think he's earned for me to be against against him. And um, I don't well, know. The way, don't construct- like the way they structured the contract. I mean, he's only losing, what, 300 and something thousand of... Yeah, he gets paid in the second year. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. Um, the whole thing is it disgusting. Is. It's... When the NFL, just remember, when the NFL is running those ads about, you know, like, we care about women and we want women involved. and blah, blah, blah. Not really. Yeah, it's sad. It's 
And I know this this ruling is by an independent arbitrator arbitrator who is a woman and but even in her ruling I was confused. She's saying like there was inappropriate behavior that violated the code of conduct. He did do things wrong six games. And I'm like, man, violating the code of conduct like a drug policy can be a year. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. Ben one Roth- of those seems one of those things seems worse. Ben Roethlisberger had a six game suspension, correct? Yeah. And I thought it was wrong was, then. For what was then, and, and also for what for what they cited then was one incident. Now I think there is rumor of more, and I'll acknowledge that, but what they were referencing was one incident. This is well, this but is that's like okay, so that's the other thing. Rampant behavior by this guy. So he deserves more. It's, he deserves more. That's the of, other thing, though, content. Leland. Like, they're not talking to uh, – this isn't – I don't trust the NFL when they say they do exhaustive investigations into this. I, I think the independent arbiter, arbiter talked to five people. That's five out of, you know, the original 24. And, and people are talking like, okay, well, but he's not getting charged. But the NFL, two things. NFL says we have a code of contact that, you know – Code of conduct, yeah. About player contact. So it doesn't matter what the law is. But number two, when you when you settle lawsuits, that doesn't mean you're innocent. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean something and bad didn't happen. And Ray, they settled. Ray Rice was never charged. He was suspended Correct. indefinitely. It was initially two games, and the video came out, and it was indefinitely. Still no charges, indefinitely. Now he never played again. Again, as I said, because the NFL didn't think he was good enough. That's what you've learned, and I guess that's the most disappointing part, right? And, and here's yeah. what I heard because. What I heard listening to a sports podcast was the NFL knows we're going to watch no matter what. And I'm like, they do. But that's even more frustrating for, we'll watch him for me. Him. We'll watch him without it. Yeah. We'll watch yeah. him. We'll watch the NFL if he's not in it. The NFL could take right. a stand if they actually cared, which they don't. But if they actually cared, the NFL could say, you know what? Zero tolerance policy. Deuces. You are never playing in the National Football League ever again. 30 instances is insane. Goodbye. But they don't. Now, another part of that, what I've also said on this podcast to, you know, just really crush people's hopes in some instances, but just to kind of tell them what's going to happen. You got Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones. That's the other side of this, right? Because if the NFL comes down too hard on him, then the Players Association is going to go, why is it it when it's us and Robert Kraft and Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones, and they can go down a list of people who have hostile work environments and misconduct and nothing happens to them that's what that's the avenue the nfl is and i i honestly don't know if roger goodell's going to appeal this decision he technically has three days but because of the owner's side and there's a whole very public case right now with the washington commanders and dan snyder i don't know if they do that i don't know if the nfl just says you know what let's bury this let's get it out of the Let's let it run its course, and then once we get to the Canton stuff, we'll be talking about the Hall of Famers. We'll be talking about preseason football, and everyone will forget about it until Deshaun Watson plays again. And and here's me being real. I mean, I changed my baseball fandom because of off-the-field issues right. that I didn't want to be presented in my household. I did not want my kids watching a Miami Marlins game and seeing what was going on over the outfield fence that I thought wasn't appropriate for sports and family time fun. I, you know, 
I realize they're not going to be talking about this directly during these NFL broadcasts, but like, yeah, like how, you know, I'm hypocritical to be watching and, and I'm, I'm going to be hypocritical. I'm going to watch NFL. I, I know I am. I, I like college football the most. That's my favorite sport to, to be in watching week to week. But the NFL, I mean, I still watch it every Sunday. I know I'm going to contradict myself here. But, it's, I mean, like, how do I keep doing that? I just, oh, they keep telling me the same thing. They keep telling me the same thing, and it's a message that I don't want my kids to receive. And uh, and here it is. I'll still, I know I still watch it. It just, it, I hate it. I hate, I hate it. I used to, you know, growing up, I was such a fan of certain players and certain people and certain teams, and it's like, the off the field stuff just drives me away and I hate it. That list does it. get smaller. Yeah. It does. I mean, I don't, I really don't take up player fandoms anymore. I know I'm older and I'm in a, right. I'm just in a different place where, you know, it's hard to start rooting for these 18 year old kids when I was there, at least their same age or they were older than me. It's a little bit different, but, and so it, I, I realize that, but it's almost out of like protection. So I'm not, you know, I don't have the Jersey of this guy that, just did this terrible thing and I don't wear his jersey anymore like I have done. And, you know, I don't know. I hear you. All right. So, do you, uh, let's skip away from sports just for a second here. What did you do anything fun this weekend? I did. I finally took Jeff Wright's suggestion and went to see the Top Gun movie. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. How was it? How um, was it? It's okay. The opening scene made me think the U.S. Navy should probably invest in a Top Gun movie being made like every two years. Um, just because, like, watching it, I was like, I want to fly a fighter jet. This looks awesome. Love this. And then the, I will say, outside of the fighter jet stuff, like, if there, when there was like more than 10 minutes where we weren't watching a fighter jet being flown, I was like, when are we getting back to the jets? I don't. I don't care about the side story between Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly. I don't even really care about Goose's son going through stuff with Tom Cruise. Like, don't care. Get back to the planes. Get back to flying. Let him hash it out in a jet. How about that? Like, that's what I wanted. All The scenes with the fighter planes or where they're talking about the mission and, like, this is what we're going to do. And then they get back in the planes and they fly around like, I was all into that. Loved that part of the movie. It was everything else where I was like, I don't care about any of this. Tom Cruise thanks you for going to the movie at the very beginning. It's great. Tom Cruise thanked me. You're welcome, Tom. <laughs> if this gets to you, you're welcome. This is so not an endorsement of Tom people. Cruise. I do think he's crazy, but um, especially with a lot of the other, you know, off the screen stuff, I guess, if we <laughs> if we want to say. But um I damn if he doesn't make a good movie. I heard a lot of people say this this one was better than the last one and stuff like that. I need to go back and rewatch the last one. It's been a while. I I don't know. I haven't felt motivated to do that. You know, I've been I've talked a, a little bit of trash on Top Gun just because it it's like the poster child for like the guys that really irritated me in in college, like the guys that idolized that movie and like would try to reenact it and like, Oh, it's karaoke. We got a scene that you've lost that love and feel it. Like we got to, you know, it just, it just, 
uh, just drove me crazy. And I, I mean, I lived with a guy that was like it, so it probably was what drives it home more. But yeah, I don't know. I just I think that movie when it came out, my parent it just like the ages for me and the people around me, it was too old for me. You know, it was too. It came out before I would enjoy it when it was new. I never came back around to it. My parents were never into it. So I just, it never really hit for me perfectly. So I just not that into it. So like this, this hit me none. And I know they're aiming at me on this movie or my, my generation. Um, and it just didn't catch me. Um, but I appreciate if it's a good effort at a, it's, it is a stereotypical. Don't read too much into the plot action movie. Like, yeah. You're sitting there, you're, you're there for the planes and the fighter jet yeah. scenes. Like, that's it. Outside of that, that, like, even this, even the thing where they're like, oh, like, they, instead of, okay, so the iconic volleyball scene, right? They don't do volleyball this time. It's called, I think, fighter football or something, where... Oh, they're not doing the Harry Potter Quidditch, Quidditch game or something? No. Both teams are playing <laughs> offense and defense at the same time. So it's supposed to build, you know, your... Dogfight football, that's what it was called. Dogfight football. So you're having to play offense and defense at the same time, just like if you're in a fighter jet. And I was like, okay. And part of me was like, I would kind of be interested to see this play out in real life. But also, why are we not in jets right now? Like, John Hamm's character. <laughs> John Hamm's character I'm comes. i here for the plane. <laughs> uh, I just kind of laughed about the... Um, John Hamm's character at one point comes down and goes, the mission is in this amount of time. Like, we got to get these people trained, and they're down here not in the Jets. And he's like, it's team building. And I'm like, F team building. <laughs> get in the planes. <laughs> like, I was like, John Hamm's right, Tom. Like, get in the planes. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh... – I saw it. I don't know if I need to see it again. But yeah. – well, you're not driving me to it, so uh, I doubt I'll be there. I mean, you're talking about, you know, don't worry about the plot too much. Here's an action movie. I watched The Gray Man on Netflix. I enjoyed it because it is one of See, those. I, I went into it. Yeah, that's. What? <sighs> Did you watch it? No, but I saw who else, like, the makers of uh, and I what else they made. They made a I bunch just... of Marvel stuff, so that's a big for me. It popped up on the thing, and it was sitting at a time. I was like, okay, I'll turn this on, and I watched it in two sittings. Uh, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I, can, I've, I know, like, Ryan Reynolds has done some of those action movies on Netflix, and there's a couple of other guys that have just, like, have these contracts to make a couple movies with Netflix. They set this one up for, for future is pretty obvious. Um, so I, I don't know. I actually, if you, if you just want a mindless action movie um, – yeah, I, I I'm I recommend it for that sake. Um, it wasn't some perfect movie. I, I think it made fun of itself in a couple points that I that I appreciated. Um, yeah, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. So I, I would if you're in if you're looking for one of those, put it on there. You won't be disappointed, but you have to be in the mood for it. Um, all right. So swinging back to sports, let's touch on just some final thoughts on the reclassification things. I know we talked about LCA there and then we still talked about it after with it, with Cody. We talked about it, me and you too. I, I just, I do come back to the point of like, I didn't like it when they were in class three. I didn't think it was fair. So I just really don't think it's fair for them to be in class two. And I know you feel about it stronger than I do. Yeah. I just, I don't, 
Personally, I think if you are not limited to a very strict geographic region in terms of your school district, you shouldn't be in the VHSL. And I know what that means. That means no private schools. It means no charter schools. I'm fine with that. I think there's organizations that exist for them. I think they should go pl play in those. And I agree. I, I don't really have any feedback on that. I, I feel like you got to do something to even the playing field there if you're going to include them. And they haven't done that. And so I would start there, but just straight not having them, I'm I'm fine with. I, I'm absolutely fine with. Why? What's wrong with the private school league? You can yeah. still recruit these players. You can still produce talent. Like, I don't know. You have all these kids going to other private schools to kind of get that extra attention. Like, like why do you need to come in and play in the class in the in the public schools when everybody you're playing basically doesn't have the advantage you have of recruiting? And, and 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 tied to it, the the money aspect. I mean, cer certain public schools do have more money involved, and and that's into districts and you know donor bases and stuff. But it's nothing like a private school, not even touching it at all. And so, I just I, I do think it's an inequity that that just needs to be corrected. I, I don't like it at all. I was gonna say a lot of that though is not done by the in terms of the public schools. That's not done by the public schools. That's boosters. Boosters, raising yeah. money and, and then it's, it's minimal and then the the amount of money given to the athletic department is determined by the overall school district like that's right. set it, in stone um a private school is on that yeah a even, private school is you know the private school determines what that is and and lca is you know it's liberty university high school i mean as well yeah. you know if there wasn't already two liberty high schools that's what they'd be called no doubt um so i mean they they play in there in lynchburg they're banking off of some of the, of the well, what's happening with Liberty, and there's a lot of money in that, and great. But then play in the private school league. Yeah, go That's play in Visa. That's why Visa's there. Go play in that. I just don't see why why not. So I, I just wanted to kind of turn back and drive that home, give you an opportunity to kind of drive that home. That I, I don't think it's fair. And I said this before they're in class two. I, I said it when they're in class three, so it's not a new thing. It's yeah, just I've never – I didn't like that door being open to private schools when they opened it. When the General Assembly did that, I thought it was a mistake then, and it's it's yeah. only proven to be a mistake. Um, yeah. And if you're, a, if you're a parent with a kid that goes to a private school in athletics and you think they get something out of playing the VHSL schools, I, I oh. guess I would just ask you, what, what are they getting out of it that they wouldn't get out of playing visa schools? And if it's the travel yeah. aspect, well, I'm sorry, you're a private school. There's fewer of them. That's kind of the deal you chose in choosing to send your kid there. That's them's the breaks, uh, to quote Boris Johnson. Like that that's kind of what you sign up for then. But <laughs> I wasn't banking on a Boris Johnson quote tonight. So But otherwise, I just <laughs> I, I don't I don't care to have them in the public schools. If you want your kid to play against other public schools, send them to a public school. If you don't and you want to yeah. send them to a private school, that's fine. But then they're gonna play other against other private schools. I don't think they should be and, allowed to compete in this. In the vein of what you just said, if you're listening to this podcast and you're highly offended at what we're saying, or you think differently about this, I, I want to interact. I want to. I don't tell know us. The other yeah, side tell us. Tell us why it's important for LCA to be able to play, you know, Amherst or yeah, or Stewart's Draft now, or Fort Defiance or Riverheads or, you know, all these other schools. Tell us why that's so important. Tell us why it's important for them to play Brookville and they can't go play. Uh, you know, Christchurch down in the Tidewater area. Why can't they play them? Because Christchurch yeah. maybe gets better players? Okay, well, that sounds like an LCA problem. Yeah. Uh, Brookville is literally restricted to the kids in the Brookville School District. 
That's it. They can't go to Northern Virginia and find some kid they want. Or some kid from Pennsylvania and pull him in. Like, they can't do that. Even though I know technically that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, they just all magically happen to find homes in the Lynchburg area that are maybe not given to them. But certainly uh, they're helped with. So one last note, and it's uh, it's not positive. Uh, Cody breaking the news after he got off with us, and this this isn't is not positive at all. Josiah Williams, uh, former Stanton standout, um, I know very good on the court, very good on the football field. Uh, he's apparently in ICU on life support. Uh, Cody has tweeted asking for prayers for him, and we've passed that along too. Um, so we'll quote Cody again here, and you know it's a player that we both covered, so that's really upsetting news to see here on Monday night here that uh, he's in a bad health situation. I really don't know any background on that. So uh, that's all we know. So we'll leave it on that. But uh, definitely our thoughts from the export podcast with him and his family. And uh, you just hate to see these young people's lives. Uh, you know, we're on here debating sports and debating who's going to be good and all that. It, it's a lot easier when you don't have to, uh, you know, be reminded of real life stuff. And uh, that's really upsetting to hear. Really didn't like seeing that tweet uh, here while we were wrapping up this podcast. So uh, just wanted to acknowledge that since that's news that's coming out here Monday night uh, on the podcast and, and make sure we got our word in there that our thoughts are with them. Yeah, I agree. And want to share those sentiments. It's obviously um, tough news to hear about anybody like that. And uh, we wish him nothing but the best for him and his family. But that Absolutely. will conclude us on the X Sports Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss another episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. That's Y A C Sports Pod. Or on Facebook, Y A C Sports Pod. You can also email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County Sports Podcast.